So we're doing something a little different today and next Sunday. And so you can see we have Chris and Katie Kale here with us. They've been married eight and a half years. It was my pleasure to preside at their uh, wedding. And they have three children, uh, Caroline, who is six, James, who's five, and Charlotte, who is two. How'd I do? Without looking at notes until Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So we're going we're gonna to talk about marriage, true love. It's a sacred institution. <laughs> this this by, to my left is Kathy Connor. She and I have been married 45 years in March. Huh? So 45. I'm, she's not even 45 years old, so I'm in a little trouble still. <laughs> so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the purpose and meaning of marriage. And what you're going to hear this morning is a powerful compelling biblical understanding of one of the features of the biblical purpose and meaning of marriage. And here's the second thing I'm going to say about what you're going to hear this morning. I'm guessing that 10% of Christian people think of their marriage in the way that we're going to talk about. We're just going to come straight off the pages of the Bible to get there. Marriage is about service. And you just haven't thought about that in that way before. You haven't. You're going to leave here today fired up about the way you think about marriage as, as it relates to what we mean by service, biblical service. Now, this, this is a vision for marriage for married people, for single people, and for single again people. That's what we're doing here. Everybody's involved. That's what's happening today. So we're going to have a conversation. They, they have received the questions ahead of time, and Kathy's going to be the convener, and then I will see what I say when she starts asking questions. But we have some really fantastic stuff, and Chris and Katie have agreed to do this with us, and so we're, I'm excited about you guys being here. Thank you. And Kathy, I think next is yeah. the first question. And it's going to come up on the wall, and it would be okay if you got your camera out and took a picture of the question out during, during what we put up on the screen this morning. Go ahead. So, Katie and Chris, thank you for being here, yeah. and uh, I know y'all are grateful, and you're going to love what they have to say, but I want to ask you right out of the gate, do you feel like you went into marriage with unrealistic expectations, and if so, what were they, and what do you think fueled those expectations? Well, I, I might have come into this talk with unrealistic expectations, because you have notes, and I don't. I should have brought my... Uh... <laughs> My papers with me, um, but uh, but thank you guys for inviting us to do this. Um, you know, and, and Katie said, "Oh, I think they're going to invite you, Chris, because you're good at speaking on stage." And I said, "Well, I, I kind of wish that you thought it was because of, we have a great marriage." Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, about your uh, to your question about expectations, uh, when Katie and I, you know, talked about this question at home, I think. Yeah, one of the things that we spoke about is just the idea that, you know, I think that, you know, when you're younger, you kind of view marriage as the next step. Like, hey, we're going to get engaged, then we'll get married, and then we'll have kids, and then live happily ever after, right? And it's just going to, we're just going to check these boxes and then move forward. Um, and, uh, you know, we got married and did that, and thanks, Joe, for picking the tab up. Uh, that's my father-in-law there. Um, and... Um, you know, and then, you know, it, it took us a while. You're to... going to pay for it the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Excuse me. Yeah. So I didn't mean to interrupt. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but I think, you know, it, it took us a while to have Caroline, our, our first child. And I think that, you know, that's when, you know, just checking those boxes didn't come as quickly for us. Um, and I think that that probably happens in a lot of different ways in a lot of different parts of life. But that's 
how it worked for us in that season. Um, and that was, I think, uh, probably the first challenging season. And it wasn't really a challenge between us, but it was a challenge, I think, for us. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think that that was early on something that just kind of showed that, hey, this, you know, maybe the expectations that this is going to be easy or automatic or mm -hmm. might be a little unrealistic. Yeah. Katie, what would you add? Um, one thing we also talked about, too, was just the idea of when we first got married, if we had an argument or if something went wrong, um, there was like a scary feeling like it's all over. Everything's done. We need to walk away. And just mm. understanding it took a while to understand that um, we had this commitment to each other and we decided, you know, this is forever. And so not that means that I can get away with everything, but <laughs> um, I think it just means that we, we, had, we had to work through it. We had to get to the other side. It's fantastic. So Fitz. No, you go next. <laughs> I'm asking you. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to wait to see what you say. No, no, I'm asking you. <laughs> so just truth and lending, there are some things I could say that I'm not going to say. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say about me, um, there are several, lots of expectations that I brought to the table I had no idea that were inside me. And I mm -hmm. think one of the, a, center, a, center, a centering kind of piece of that is that I grew up and my mom and dad were divorced. They remarried, but I never really saw a whole lot of, um, my dad didn't model service. He's a good guy. He just, he just was sort of a nice guy that just sort of was there. And he didn't do much for my mom. And he didn't, he didn't mistreat her, but he just didn't do much. Mm -hmm. he, all he did was work. And so I didn't know how to treat a woman. And so how does that impact expectations? I think I learned, I learned a lot about myself that I didn't expect to learn. A lot of it was tr troubling in the sense of pa pain related. So I had these deep needs that I didn't know that I expected you to fulfill. Mm. And she knows this. She knows that I had deep needs that if any woman had seen the needs like on a list of paper like this, they would run in the other direction forever. <laughs> That, I'm serious because I just had all this stuff. It was like baggage that I brought into the relationship. And so, <clears throat> so by the grace of God, plowing through it, which is what I have done. So 45 years later, I'm <laughs> decent shape. <laughs> you think? You're amazing. <laughs> so, you know you are. Uh, Kathy, Kathy, do you feel that you went in a marriage with unrealistic expectations? <laughs> and if so, what were they? And if you can remember, what fueled them? Well, one is my dad always had a world-class yard. It was always gorgeous. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> Are you saying that I come up short in this no. category? At first, it was a little different than what I envisioned. But, um, but, it's, <laughs> but it's <laughs> then you grew into it big time. <laughs> but um, I'm being silly. Actually, that was true, though. It's weird how those things are true. And they're little, but it's those little things that kind of, kind of like, wait, what? This isn't going to be gorgeous, and you know, the yard of the month, and you know, and it became that. It totally became that. No, it's not. But, <laughs> but, but also, I think I, without realizing it, I think I had a little bit of that knight in shining armor thing in my. <laughs> <laughs> a fail there too. I can't no, get the yard right. No, no, I ain't no, riding no. on no white horse. No, no, you no. Since I think you met expectations in ways that I had no idea that I needed them, um, and so it became more than what I expected. 
that, that would be the real thing that surprised me. Um, because there were things about me that needed healing and wholeness and flourishing that couldn't have happened in these surprising ways of what you brought to me and how you challenged me. That, that was an unrealistic expectation that I had going in. I had no idea of the surprise of what you would be bringing to me. Some of it hard, and some of, but all of it good. Does that make sense to you? And I'm so thankful uh, for the way you've challenged me. So um, that was an expectation I had no idea about. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Did you know you were going to say that before we sat on the stool? No. <laughs> good for you. So marriage, you ready? Marriage ain't about you. I'm sorry, it's not. And I'm about to show you in the Bible, but not yet. Marriage is not about us. Chris, it's not about you. It's about serving her. You, Kathy, it's not about you. It's about serving me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fellas, to I told you. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting. I, just, I figured you'd pick that up. Yeah. Katie, it's not about you. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. <clears throat> Got your back. So this is this is a powerful and compelling thing that really, and all, I just don't think I, I did not grow. Part of what I tried to say was I didn't even know that that's what marriage was. And I'm a Christian. I've been following Jesus since I was 18, but I didn't know this, and I wasn't taught that marriage is about her because I really came into it wanting for me, mm -hmm. and I wanted for her. It's, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a caveman, but, I, but really, I, unknowingly and unknowingly, I came into marriage looking to get. And so here's what I want you to see. It's not about you. It's about serving the other, and we're going to invite the great Apostle Paul right now into the room. And we're going to see a text that may send some of you into a low earth orbit because it's got words in it that we're going to have to talk about. But here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read several verses. Look carefully at these words, and I'm going to talk about a couple of these words in a way to try to help you unpack them and make sense of them in your life and in your world. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, if we had this in a paragraph form, you'd have that sitting there. You're with me? It'd be sitting up top, and now we're hanging the next things underneath it. You ready? And I'm going to come back in a minute and tell you, I'm going to come back in a minute and tell you about this word submit, hupotasso in Greek. You ready? Here we go. Wives, I'm going to read through the whole text, uh, Sue, and then come back. I want to come back to the, uh, back up to the top. Wives, submit yourself. I got lost. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the behavior and uh, the savior. And on we go. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, listen carefully. Love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. Go back, if we could, Sue, to the top. Submit. You see that word up there? Hupotasso. Now, I want you to understand something. It doesn't mean 
what you think it means in a 21st century where it means that some mean person is going to beat you with authoritarianism. It doesn't mean that. Now, it's English. And you bring to anything you read, including this text, your modern understanding of a word based on your experience. That's what we all do with everything we read. We import on top of it our point of view, our framework. And we can never not do that. But you have to trust me. You have to suspend whatever positive and negative that word means to you. And let me try to say how radically good this is in every culture, not just a 21st century Western culture that's kind of pulling apart at the seams about everything that has to do with relationships between men and women. That's not what it means. Be subject to one another. Try that word out. You choose on purpose to subject yourself to the other. It's the first step towards serving. So the Apostle Paul writes these words and they transcend cultures. They're culture crashers. There's not a culture yet since Paul wrote it in how many thousand different kinds of cultures than the way men and women relate to each other in marriage customs, how many different kind of cultures have there been where the Christian message, this is radical to say men and women are to submit to each other in, a, in Paul's world. Are you kidding me? No man would submit to a woman, period. So that's just one feature of how radical it was then. But if you take the word that you might not like recoiling against even and you want to push it back, allow yourself to say, if he is subjecting himself to me, and I'm subjecting myself to him, wow, mm -hmm. this changes everything. This makes all the difference in the world. How are men and women supposed to relate to each other? By subjecting themselves to each other. Now, we're drawing into the word serve. Yes, I have notes. We're drawing into the word serve. If I could go to the net, back to the second slide. And Kathy, feel free to interrupt me with well, stuff I you wanted want to. Add. to I was going to hammer the thing about um, husbands loving your wives, and okay. then you, you, you go okay. pick it up from there. Look carefully at this. What I want you to understand is service. The marriage is a picture or a parable of God, of God's relationship with His people, of Jesus' relationship with His church. I'll say that again. Marriage is a picture or a parable reflecting God's relationship with His people. Jesus' relationship with his church. Marriage reflects that. And God's love for his people and Jesus' love for his church is reflected in marriage when we love each other. And how do we love each other? By serving. Look at what Jesus does for his church. He loves the church and gave himself up for her. He took a bullet. It's on the wall behind me. A cross. Well, I... What I love to say about that and what has just absolutely come off the pages for me is there, in the history of the world, there is no greater act of submission than Jesus dying on the cross for us. There was no greater act of submission. So that's why this text in Ephesians is a picture of the gospel and a picture of of marriage at the same time. It's why our marriages reflect the gospel. So your marriage becomes this mission outpost in the world so that people watch your marriage, a Christian marriage, and they go, that's the gospel. That's what Jesus' love looks like. In the same way that by God's grace, I love fits unconditionally, by God's grace, you know, and he loves me unconditionally by God's grace, then the next step happens where 
God is using fits to help me to flourish and become whole and healthy and radiant. So, so let me let me say a word about radiant. If you look up to the text, verse 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a reference to the cross. At infinite cost to himself. The most what, how do you say it again about submission? The, the greatest the act greatest of submission. At, at infinite cost to himself, Jesus. The greatest act of submission subjecting to the cross, Jesus' death. Resurrection comes after it. But look at verse 26. Look really carefully. Why? Is Jesus giving himself for us? Why does God love his people? Why did Jesus love, why does Jesus love the church? Look what Jesus is doing to the church, to serve the church. How? To make the church radiant. In other words, that we become the people that God made us to be. In marriage, you are the vessel, uh, the primary vessel probably, for God serving the other person to do what? Make that other person radiant. Use the word flourish if you would like. So the serving him, serving her, so that he or she becomes radiant, becomes the person God made him to be. That's the center, a central meaning of what marriage is about. That's what we're doing for each other. And then, then obviously, Kathy just said it, I've said I'll repeat it, we reflect the gospel, the good news that God's love for, the, for all people. That's what we're doing when we subject ourselves to her need and you become the radiant being that God made you to be. <laughs> you flourish. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm going to flourish if she's flourishing. But so that's, that's why service is at the center of it. And um, We also yeah. know that there's a vertical and a horizontal component uh -huh. to all of this. And one affects the other. Our horizontal component is the way that we relate to each other out of commitment, um, out of the covenant that we have made. I think we have a slide that says that if we want to get that up there. Just, yeah. uh, there we go. No, nope. not that one. We, 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 there we go. Pardon us, this is, this is, uh, we didn't know how this was going to necessarily go in the terms of the questions and stuff, so yeah. we wanna, it'll all get in. Well, you want to pick it up? Nope, you're good. Okay. So that we get this opportunity to give to the other what Jesus is giving to us through the vertical. So as Jesus pours into my life and loves me and forgives me and pours his grace and mercy and kindness into me, I then have that to give horizontally to fits in marriage. That's why it is so important with Jesus at the center of our marriage, that I'm getting filled up by Jesus so that I'm not operating on my own steam to give fits just what I have, my personality. And because that will come to an ending place. I only have so much, but Christ in me allows me to be forgiving and full of grace and mercy in ways that I naturally might be a little bit, but nowhere near. You, what Jesus you drifted gives over me. to vertical, which is fine. We can see it, they can't. But let me say Bring one more thing. No, let oh. me say one more thing about horizontal. So what I want you to understand, the word obligation, okay? So I needed to say something about that. You feel it already. You know, as a married person, that you have, uh, obligation's a good word here. You have this duty to serve the other. And you don't have to be a Jesus follower to feel it. God made us in his image, even if we don't believe that. And God made human beings, and there's goodness in us, and there can be good marriages, and there are good marriages all over the planet in thousands of different cultures. But, and so we all feel that. But here's, here's the theological thing that's going on based on what we just read in Ephesians chapter 5. If Jesus loves you, which he does, 
And if he gave everything for you, which he did, then how can you say, I'm not going to love her and serve her? So, and Kathy was drift, uh, Kathy was going over to the obvious. She went, that, that horizontal reality is fueled by this vertical reality. So yeah, I, I want to just get that in so we can go to the mm -hmm. vertical slide now. Right. And so as I experience forgiveness and grace from Fitz, because that's what he's experiencing with Jesus, I then get a picture of God's grace and forgiveness in my own life. I experience it even more fully. It's just this unbelievable flow. And when, when, when you're not doing well, and I've noticed this in our marriage, when I'm not doing well or when Fitz isn't doing well, you only have so much to give and sometimes nothing to give if you're hurting, if you're grieving. But when you're being fueled and loved by Jesus, it enables you to give when you don't have it. We're coming. There's another so one. So I have a question for you. Not yet. Not oh, yet. Okay. I wanted to say one other thing. Um, and that's this. If the horizontal alone over time can get to be kind of tiring, it's a long run if it's just if if there's not more than just us. Right. That's another way of saying what right. Kathy just said. And it doesn't mean it can't work. It just means it can get to be kind of tiring. It, it's marriage is not. We have Kathy Fitz Jesus, and you, our family. But it can be tired. It can get tough if there's really not something outside of us participating. And I wanted to, I wanted to make sure we said yeah. that. Um, and so let's go. Let's go jump on. Yeah. The next question. So, um, how do you see the importance of service? In your marriage, why is it necessary as a central practice in our marriages? Well, um, you know, I think a lot of, you know, where our marriage is today, you know, we've got three small children. Um, so if you have or have had small children, you, I think, understand that. But we've, um, you know, a lot of, I think, our stress and, and challenges and, and tiredness and, and the need for us to help and serve each other comes from, you know, really serving our family. And I think that the way that we communicate with each other models, you know, how they're going to be. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that we've talked a lot about. Um, and just trying to, you know, share resources. You know, they call it automobile university on your commute, right? Plugging a podcast and now you're learning something new. Um, so, you know, listening to stuff that she's listening to and, and trying to compare notes on different mm -hmm. ideas or concepts that we can use to, to have a unified front as as a married couple, as opposed to Chris's approach or Katie's approach. Hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Katie, what would you say? Um, I think, like Chris was saying, with our small children in our house, um, we are the model for them right now of a marriage, and um, the way that we love each other hopefully models our love of Jesus. And so our for our children right now, their faith is becoming not just Sunday school anymore, it's becoming like another level. They're starting to ask questions and putting it into practice. And so I feel for us, it's such a tangible way when we do things simply by serving around the house or acts like that, that it does model for them the love of God. And that puts a really big impact on us mm. when we're thinking through our day. It's powerful. Kathy? Yes. Your well, turn. I One of the ways... Um, that I see service as this practical, central piece in our marriage is where I have doubt in my own heart or 
wonder, you know, if I can do that. Or Fitz becomes God's yes in my life. And he's always, one of the biggest ways he serves me is encouragement. And he, it's a big yes from him. Whether it's to go out and play or it's to go pursue my MDiv years ago, he said, you need to go and finish this thing. We had two little ones. And um, he said, you need to go and finish this thing or you'll be 80 years old before you get your Master of Divinity, you know? And I was like, what? I have little babies, you know? And he said, it's only going to get harder. Let's do this. And that came from him watching me and wanting to encourage God's gifts in my life. That is a picture of how he is always with me. It's just yes. Ain't I something? You are. Yeah. You know how you serve me? Mm -mm. I say I want to go play golf. You say go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got that? I had to get that in. Oh, yeah. So it's our nest is empty. So it was when, when our boys were little, yeah, it took everything we could do to do what you were talking about. And people are before, during, and after that who are trying to be married and trying to be Jesus followers and trying to raise their kids. And your, your children are picking it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. they know. They know you love each other, and they know that, that Jesus, you love him, and you're trying to figure life out. They know it. And they, they couldn't say it. Maybe. Maybe they can. We'll see. But they will over time. Have at it. Yeah. Um, I have another question for you. If you don't mind me asking. I'd love for you to ask it. I see it right here. Um, how do you see the dynamic of the biblical principle of God as a resource at work in your marriage? I think, um, you know, one of the, when we talked about the, this question, um, I think being intentional about, you know, how you're going to approach a marriage or raising a family or, you know, what the goal is. I think, you know, like at at work, I've got lots of goals Mm -hmm. and I'm very clear about what I want to do. And then, you know, are you that way with your marriage or raising Mm -hmm. children? So I think just trying to implement family values and here, you know, we want to treat people with kindness and putting that on paper Mm -hmm. and showing it to the children and trying to get them to understand, Hey, this is the type of family we're going to be. This is the type of life that we're going to live. Um, and, and tying that back to either scripture or, you know, things that they've heard in Sunday school and, and trying to make it age appropriate so that they can understand it. Um, so I think that's, I think, the main way that we use God as a resource in our home. And we, that's not just for the children. We also do that with each other and say, hey, you know, where, where are we trying to go here? Um, you know, and, and how, do we, how do we get over there? How do we yeah. make it there, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. Awesome. Katie, what would you add? I think a lot of it has to do with prayer. Um, and I think, like Chris was saying, being intentional and specifically, you know, asking God to stir in Chris's heart that day and um, helping him be productive at work. And it is, it's really encouraging to, um, when we do get the time to catch up over dinner or whatever, to hear, you know, that prayer answered and seeing how God fulfilled that for him. Um, and in our family, just over our children, you know, that's, going into schools right now feels heavy. And so just having them covered in prayer every day is pretty central. And I would add to that a practical feature that I see through the divine source of God. When I go about my day knowing that Fitz is actively praying for me is launches me into the day. And I love telling him that I'm praying for him. I love telling our children the same. And um, I just... I, 
I know that he's praying for me in very specific ways. It's not, hey, Lord, bless her. But it's, you know, specific. Bless her. Which I appreciate. But I know he, he's, he's on it. He's just on it. You know, if I'm hurting or if I'm excited about something, I know he's got my back and he's with me in prayer. And I, but I love sitting down and praying with him, too. That is a divine resource that is powerful. We're going to transition to the Lord's Supper. But before you sit down, I wanted to say this. If someone online or someone in the room is not certain about whether or not you are a follower of Jesus, this is what I want to suggest to you. This picture of what Jesus wants our marriages to be about is so attractive and so compelling. The fact that we are to love each other and serve each other the way he has loved and served us. I would invite you to maybe maybe step in a little closer, take a little bit better look. This is a powerfully compelling, loving person, this Jesus, who lived and died and lived again for us. So I just offer that as an invitation, and I'd be happy to talk with you about that more if you would like to take that step. We're, thank you, Chris. Thank you. you you're awesome. Chris, don't forget that coffee. It's cold now. So we're going to transition to having the Lord's Supper, and we're going to use Jesus speaking about himself. And he, he says this about himself, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, referring to himself as the Son of Man. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Beautiful Greek verb in there, diakoneo, to serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life. And so that's what's happening here. You're being served by Jesus Christ at this table. He's real and present in these elements. That It's both a symbol and a real presence of Jesus' love and Jesus' service to you. So when we break and eat the bread... This is Jesus' ultimate act of sacrifice. When we drink of the grape juice, this is God present in our lives as the resource that we need outside of ourselves. Friends, let me invite you to do something. Sit quietly, maybe pray for people as they come forward. Think about your own sense of service, and here's the take-home for you. This is the assignment that you have. If you're married... If you're dating somebody and not married, if you're, and if you're single and not dating anybody, you, you can all do this. How are you serving the other? And go home and talk about it. Or go, go out on a date and talk about it. And if you're single and not dating, think about how you served or were served by someone you've dated in the past. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our resource. Friends, eat, drink, love well serve the other the people the ushers are going to send people coming from the back to the front and i see that we have